Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the first Sunday in Lent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, through the yearly observances of Holy Lent, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ, and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. God spoke to Noah and his sons. See, I establish my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, also with every living creature to be found with you, birds, cattle, and every wild beast with you, everything that came out of the ark, everything that lives on the earth. I establish my covenant with you. No thing of flesh shall be swept away again by the waters of the flood. There shall be no more flood to destroy the earth again. God said, Here is the sign of the covenant I make between myself and you and every living creature with you for all generations. I set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I gather the clouds over the earth, and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall the covenant between myself and you and every living creature of every kind. And so the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all things of flesh. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Lord, make me know your ways. Lord, teach me your paths. Make me walk in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. Remember your mercy, Lord, and the love you have shown from of old. In your love remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. The Lord is good and upright. He shows the path to those who stray. He guides the humble in the right path. He teaches his way to the poor. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Christ himself, innocent though he was, died once for sins, died for the guilty, to lead us to God. In the body he was put to death, in the spirit he was raised to life, and in the spirit he went to preach to the spirits in prison. Now it was long ago when Noah was still building that ark, which saved only a small group of eight people by water. And when God was still waiting patiently, that these spirits refuse to believe, that water is a type of the baptism which saves you now, and which is not the washing off of physical dirt, but a pledge of made to God from a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has entered heaven and is at God's right hand, now that he has made the angels and dominations and powers his subjects. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. No one lives on bread alone, 
but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he remained there for forty days, and was tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels looked after him. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It might seem a little strange at first uh, to hear the story of Noah's Ark on the first Sunday of Lent. Noah's flood is still probably one of the best-known stories of the Old Testament. But even so, Dana, doesn't it strike you as a little bit odd to be getting it today, on you know, the first Sunday of Lent? Well, I suppose it's a story we hear as kids, and, you know, it's enchanting to hear about the animals that go in two by two. Um, and it can seem like the story's a little bit infantile, because in some ways it becomes a bit like a fairy tale that we tell children. But the story itself is incredibly important in teaching us about the ways of God. So to get a better sense of what's going on in the story of Noah and the new covenant that God establishes with him, um, we need to situate this event within the context of the book of Genesis. You see, right at the very start, we hear that the world was a formless void, and that at the moment of creation, the Spirit hovers over these stormy waters And then from there, we hear that various elements are created, the sun, the stars, the land, the birds of the air, beasts, and all the little creepy crawly things. Uh, And we hear that they're all good and that God created everything good. And then we get to the Adam and Eve story. We discover that the world that God created for the first people, it's a garden. It's a place of harmony, of beauty. It's a place that's cultivated. God has placed Adam and Eve in a garden where they can flourish, where they can be happy. A place where they're in harmony with the world and with each other, and where they can be in harmony with God. But what we see unfolding, however, through the story of the book of Genesis, is the profound impact that sin has on humanity and the world. What we see time and time again in Genesis is the human being's refusal to listen to the word of God. A refusal to obey. The result of this sin, you know, we start to see division, separation, suspicion. Immediately, Adam and Eve are suspicious of God, so they run and hide. They cover their nakedness when he approaches them. And we see later the first brothers, Cain and Abel, divided against each other. The very first human son, Cain, he turns into a murderer. The beginning of the book of Genesis is marked with this first intention of God, the desire to create a garden where humanity can flourish in harmony. And what results, though, because of man's freedom, is a place of rupture, discord, suspicion. Humanity is not listening to the voice of God. And this is what sin is. And it's sin that's brought about all this division. Now, at the beginning of the story of Noah, we hear that God's pretty fed up with how things have turned out. 
he looks and he sees evil and injustice all over the place. Now, I think often, you know, when we hear about the flood, you know, we get a sense of, you know, divine wrath, punishment from God. That, you know, he says, enough's enough, time to inundate the world so that humanity might get what it deserves. But, you know, instead, I think we need to look at the floodwaters as a consequence of sin, not in terms of, you know, getting what you deserve, but as the falling apart of the order of creation. You know, we see in the garden that what God creates is good. It's harmonious and peaceful. We see in the flood, however, the return of the world to its primordial state. Remember those stormy waters over which the Spirit hovered and then God said, let there be light? It's going back. It's returning the world to that first moment of creation. And once again now, the world reappears from the waters as it did that first time. And what's going on then is a kind of recreation. God here doesn't gloat over man's failure. Instead, we see that God sends a rescue mission to humanity. And so Noah's Ark, it preserves a microcosm of God's good order. The goodness in creation that God has placed is brought aboard on the ark. God's preserving something of the goodness of the Garden of Eden, not just in terms of Noah's family, but all of creation, including the beasts of the field and all the creepy crawlies. I mean, I probably wouldn't lost a lot of sleep if spiders didn't make it on board, but uh, never mind. But here we pick up the story. Well, as the floodwaters start to recede, we see that Noah receives the command to throw open the doors of the ark and to allow life to flow from it. The promise that God makes to Noah here at this moment is that when they step onto dry land, that God will support and foster the life that has survived this crisis. Now, this story, right, it's an archetype. It's an example of how God has dealt with humanity ever since. God continually sends rescue operations to humanity so that something of the order of life as he created remains in the world, even in the midst of sin. So let's tick forward now to the gospel, because here we see the beginnings of God's definitive rescue mission. Now, Mark's gospel is really stark in the way that it portrays Christ in the desert. We don't get any of the three temptations that the two other evangelists, Matthew and Luke, give. You know, nothing about uh, turning stones into bread and all that sort of stuff. But instead, Jesus goes into the nothingness of the desert and there he's tempted. He goes in like another Noah. He is the ark. Because he's the one who will restore the harmony of creation. Jesus is the one who will heal the rupture and division that sin has caused. He is the one who will bring back harmony and creation that existed in the garden. Now, notice first of all that Jesus is the one who listens to God. We hear in Mark that Jesus was driven into the desert by the Spirit. He hears, he listens, he obeys, precisely because in him, God and humanity are in easy unity. He is fully God and fully man. He is the communion of divinity and humanity. 
And so Christ obeys where Adam and Eve and everyone else since, let's face it, have disobeyed. In his person, through his very obedience, Jesus takes away the sin of the world. And so becomes the subject through which the division caused by sin is healed. It's like Noah's Ark again. A whole new creation, a whole new garden. And just as the waters of the flood brought a new beginning to humanity, and, you know, the doors of the Ark poured forth new life, well, take a look at Jesus. From his opened side flows the new beginning of humanity, the water of baptism. Now, notice that the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness, into the desert. Christ goes into the very opposite of the garden. Genesis shows us that God intended for us a garden, a harmonious existence. He wanted life for us, not just the sheer fact of being alive, but a good life, a life that is flourishing. But sin has turned this garden into a desert. And Jesus Christ, God's definitive rescue mission, goes into the heart of the desert in order to retrieve us. Christ goes into the desert of our hatred, our violence, our lack of love. He goes there to make the desert a garden once more. You know, when we think of sin, often, you know, we can just imagine God as being the great divine umpire who blows the whistle and calls a foul and, you know, judges a free kick against us. But what we start to see from the scriptures is that sin is the force of division and rupture. It causes decay and chaos. It brings death. And you know what? Let's face it. We see it in our own lives. We're divided against ourselves. You know, one passion goes one way, another goes the other. And, you know, we can be an absolute mess of contradictions. Things just going haywire and pulling us in all different ways. And, you know, this is what happens when we stop listening to God. The floodwaters start to gather. Not because of God's wrath, not because, you know, he's wanting to punish me for stepping outside the lines, but because in not listening to God, in not obeying him, we start to devolve into the kind of chaos that existed before creation. Our lives start to become more of a desert than a garden. But here's the thing. Lent's the time when we tap into God's rescue mission. Jesus comes into the desert of our lives in order to lead us out. God's definitive promise is not that we should live in a desert, but that we should live in easy harmony with him, a fruitful garden. Our task this Lent is to seek after that easy harmony with God by listening to him and obeying him. In plain terms, the garden describes how God wants us to have life to the full and that this life is discovered by listening to him and obeying his word. Christ has come to restore our humanity and our goal in Lent is to fall into line with that plan for restoration. And so we hear once more those words that we get on Ash Wednesday. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Thanks for praying with us. 
And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.